How you doing everybody? Hope you're all keeping well. Today's episode, I'll be sitting down with Jean Johansson. You've probably seen her on various TV programmes that she's been presenting and she's just recently done a documentary on BBC, The Truth About Racism in Scotland. Really good episode, speaking about Jane's career. Um, as always, let me know in the comments what you think and give the subscribe button a wee click. Thank you, as always, to Paul at Let Me Repair for the continued sponsorship and Paul at the Green Room for production. Cheers, guys. Jean, how are you? Good, thank you. It's good to be here. I'm I know. loving your setup here. It's Finally. great. It surprises so many people. I won't say the address in case Paul gets stalked, but <laughs> it surprises so many people when they come in. Um, so glad you're finally here. Yes. I'm Gary, nothing but you, persistent. <laughs> I do like persistency. And I said to you in my email, I really respect that, you know, coming back and just asking politely because I wanted to come on yeah. for a while, but my schedule's been crazy and I've cancelled on you at the last minute. And, and you just came back again. And I, I really, you know, in this industry, I think persistency and tenacity are good things. Got to ask. You've got yeah. to keep asking. And here I am. So it's Exactly. So it works. Nobody copy me though. Just put that out there. <laughs> yeah, don't start stalking me, everyone. <laughs> um, we'll talk about your your career. Obviously, the the first thing I was kind of curious about, and I got a few people asking, why can I the broadcasting industry? Mm -hmm. What can I attempt to into that in the first place? What was the reasons behind choosing that as a a career path? Well, I mean, I think I was just you know that girl in school that had a massive gub and hand was always up and I was on the you know teacher pupil committees and yeah. I was that type of character mm -hmm. um and then you know I was just inspired by Blue Peter like everybody else was yeah. you know the dream job was to have the sticky back plastic and the fairy liquid bottle and make stuff and I'd Get do that yeah <laughs> I've still not got a Blue Peter badge I would do that at home anyway so yeah. I kind of knew I wanted to probably journalism more than tv presenting was mm -hmm. um the way I wanted to go, but I, I went to an open audition at BBC Scotland many years ago and they were kind of looking for talent that wasn't trained and hadn't been mm -hmm. to drama school and they wanted someone off the street, which is right. exactly what is what I was at the time. Yeah. So um yeah, that was how I got my first presenting job and, and over the years that just turned into as you put more and more of yourself into the job and start writing scripts and mm -hmm. adding your own opinion and I thought I'm gonna go back school and get the broadcast journalism so that I'm a presenter that's a bit more rounded mm -hmm. and and that just paid off for me recently with the BBC documentary yeah. so it's um presenting and journalism are two things that I really really love do you have a preference uh presenting is much easier yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I after doing that BBC documentary <laughs> the truth about Scotland and racism I, I'm not in a rush to go and do another heavy documentary yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> maybe something lighter yeah yeah but I love um I was very involved in that I gave a lot of opinions mm -hmm. from the title of the documentary to who we spoke to for the yeah. documentary so um I like that journalistic mind that is in there somewhere really mm -hmm. coming alive so I, I enjoyed that side of it yeah. a lot yeah Love that. And what about, I know obviously you, you studied at university, so many guests on and there's such a mixed view on university mm. and how they found yeah. the experience. How did you find it for your point of view for what you brought to study? Well, I went to do a media studies degree, which I never finished because I got a job in telly. So yeah. it was like, always take the experience yeah. for the classrooms. Yeah. I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> With journalism, maybe different, maybe try and get a bit of both. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to... Have the I get, I think if you can get in young, mm -hmm. um, 
and get the experience that way if you can be making cups of teas which is a shame i don't think they really have those runner roles so much yeah. anymore in tv yeah. and in newsrooms i think if you can get in that route you're going to learn a whole lot more because you're on the ground yeah you know and when you're in a classroom i just had a media student um phone me for an interview mm-hmm. and um I could just tell the style was of someone that's learned about journalism in a classroom yeah. rather than someone that's went out and experienced the job yet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have to say I'm sort of team experience over over degrees and, and pieces of paper. But as someone that went back and got my broadcast journalism later, which was a very practical course, it, it helps. So it depends mm-hmm. on who you are as a person. Yeah. You know, as much experience as you can get is, mm-hmm. is always the best. Love that. So you've done the BBC Scotland, you've done the open audition. Yeah. You've got the the role from that. Yeah. Where do you go next? Well, from that there? that was for a children's show in BBC Scotland, and it was actually replacing Blue Peter, which right. is funny because I had always wanted yeah. to be a Blue Peter presenter, but Blue Peter was coming off the air for six weeks that summer uh-huh. for the first time ever, right? And they were replacing it with a show that was sort of trendy and cool and a bit edgy uh-huh. <laughs> that was the language they used back then <laughs> so um yeah so i did that and then i ended up staying in children's tv for about 10 years actually uh-huh. i worked for cbbc a lot i was at the disney channel for three years which mm. was awesome amazing experience and yeah. um, got to travel a lot um so yeah i sort of was very lucky to have a good career mm-hmm. in children's telly and a great training ground as well if you look at your big name presenters today like holly willoughby fern cotton Demet Leary, Aunt and De- yeah. everybody started in children's. Um, so it's the best training ground for a presenter. So I was lucky. Is it as hectic as it looks? Oh, yeah. Hectic, <laughs> wild, mad. Some <laughs> of my best friends today are co-presenters from those times and they're the most naughty, debauched <laughs> people you would ever meet. But then we were very clean cut on screen. So I quite like that. I think um I think it takes a certain type of person to do the job as well. But it, an absolute dream job and yeah. very very lucky I suppose with children as well you'll get 100% honesty every time at, at I mean yeah at one point I was doing a breakfast show where we were had to gunge them with baked beans and play <laughs> games and you never know what they're going to say you can't produce them and you can't rehearse yeah. kids so it was it's authentic and mm-hmm. the energy is always great so I loved being in that environment and that's a long time as well obviously 10 years in that yeah side of it were you tempted to try anything else at that point or did you just love what you were doing oh always i mean within my group peers at cbbc i had jake humphrey fern Mm -hmm. cotton holly willoughby adia deputa all the big presenters you see today so we all wanted to get out of kids we all wanted to get the big prime time shows you know that was always the goal it never really happened for me i think i sounded young i looked young Uh and my energy suited children so it was very hard for me to get out of children's it took Mm -hmm. a long time before someone would give me a more sort of adult themed show yeah um but yeah 10 years is a long time but actually i'm glad because i met some great people and Mm -hmm. as i say my by the time i sort of left children's i was a very competent presenter yeah yeah Um, so it was invaluable was it a competitive environment with the, the names you've just threw out there? The most competitive. Yeah. I don't know if you listen to Jake Humphrey's podcast, yeah, but he just had Fern Cotton on yeah. and she it really struck a chord with me when they talked about how competitive that environment is mm-hmm. because it could be vicious and cutthroat and you've got all these young 20-somethings working yeah. in BBC Television Centre, Top of the Pops in that studio, Strictly in that studio, children's here jules holland mm-hmm. you know a lot of famous people around yeah. and everybody just that ambition was just mm-hmm. always hanging in the air and i'm not surprised that jake 
is one of the ones that has got where he was ambitious from day one. Same with Fern, like steely determination that uh-huh. I never had. Because I like a bit of a carry on. Right. <laughs> I'm not a very serious person. Plus, I have to admit, my home life was set up really securely with my my boyfriend, now husband. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't like, I want the money, I want the... I just didn't need to climb up the yeah. ladder like that because I was so happy quite with... Content. I was quite content. Yeah. Which I don't know is a good thing. I think if I could go back and do something differently, it would be playing a bit mm-hmm. more, networking a bit more, going yeah. out for the drinks kissing arses, meeting the right people, which, Mm -hmm. of course, being from Port Glasgow, I was never willing to do. (laughs) But in the end, the people that did do that, for good or bad, you know, that's how you make the connections. um, So, yes, it was a competitive, ambitious, sometimes cutthroat, could be lonely Mm -hmm. environment. But again, I had such a strong group of friends outside of uh, TV that Uh I always had them to fall back on with. I think sometimes people becomes their whole world so yeah i made some mistakes and uh, it's probably took me a bit longer to get where i am today because mm-hmm. i maybe didn't put all that groundwork in off camera but that's that's the way it goes i don't i don't really have regrets no if you've still got to the same path you wanted to be on anyway it's just a different route isn't yeah it? absolutely it's, that's exactly it do you think it's a and again this is something that a few people had had messages in see when you're in that environment would you say you need a really kind of strong personality to to cope with the yeah. everything that goes on round about the actual yeah. shows? Yeah, you need a really strong personality. You need a really mm. strong core. I remember there would be some producers or other presenters that would try and be intimidating or, as I say, it was a bit of cutthroat. So yeah. luckily, I always credit it to being from a working class community mm. in Port Glasgow. I was quite a strong, quite a strong girl. Yeah. Do I can yeah. I can handle myself. Yeah. We're Glaswegians, you know. Yeah. Of course we can. So I sort of had that going down there, where you maybe had other people coming from all over the country. They've landed in London. Mm. It's a big city. There's a lot going yeah. on. You can get swept away in this, that, be intimidated, scared of people. I'm really lucky. I never really had that. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I've my I'm one of seven children as well. Mm. So that grown up in that chaotic household and yeah. you know really having to used to scrap them <laughs> yeah well that's it exactly our three older brothers yeah. so um i could handle myself yeah. which is you know a lot of situations i've been put in in my career i've been able to sit there as a girl from the port and know that that's what's not going to allow anyone yeah. to scare me or intimidate me of course i do get intimidated and yeah. scared at times yeah. but especially when I was quite young and gallus, yeah, I just wouldn't let mm-hmm. people intimidate me. Yeah. And that's really comes from my upbringing and you need that strength. I think now there's a lot of people coming out talking about their mental health problems. Mm-hmm. And I think that stems from always having to be so strong and, yeah. and, and you know, competitive and never being able to let your guard down. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's not always a good thing. No, it must be quite hard to trust people in that. It's so hard. It is well and, and make actual friends yeah. rather than just Again, colleagues. I made I my, so at the Disney Channel, that's really where I met my tribe, you know, mm-hmm. um, of weird and wonderful people. I was I was on the gay scene a lot when I was yeah. in London, so I didn't, wasn't so much in the celebrity scene. Yeah. And that's a path, you take what path you want. There was yeah. a footballer scene that, that I could have been on as well. I didn't really hang with those people, so uh-huh. I think I was quite sure about who i wanted to be around and stuck with that crew and that helped me as well fair play so when when did your chance come to get out of children's tv what was the (laughs) it was a big chance um chris evans right who you know had a production company and he had been away for a few years after doing tfi and Uh some big shows 
and he wanted to come back with a game show mm-hmm. um, that was going to be on Challenge TV. Right. It was going to be an hour, and basically me and Jeff Fraser were just going to give away loads of money with okay. really clicky games, and it totally flopped. Right. And it got no viewers and got cancelled mm. off the channel. Jeez. So, yeah, big, big blow because, of course, I thought, oh, Chris Evans is my exec yeah. now. I'm going to be drinking with Liam Gallagher. <laughs> I'm going to be in with the in crowd and have this great TV show. And I'm finally out of children's. And it sunk without a trace and just completely flopped. TV shows like that, <laughs> when you see, obviously, the, the setup and what the show's going to be like, do you ever think, I don't know if this is going to work, or do you think it's Chris yeah. Evans? Of course it's going to work. Here's a story for you. In that lineup of presenters was me, Caroline Flack, uh-huh. Audrey Esther, and um, Jeff Brazier, mm-hmm. and Jane Sharp. And Caroline came in on the day for rehearsals. We all met. And I sort of knew Caroline, who was the, the most wonderful girl, always smiling, always upbeat. She wasn't that known then. Yeah. We None of us were known. Yeah. And she, after the first day of rehearsal, she just went, nah, this isn't for me. Just I'm not going to do it. And she never came back the next day. She never took on that show. I mean, we all know what happened to her. Yeah. But how brave is that? Yeah. There was something about the setup or something she must have spoken to with her agent and just went, this isn't for me. And, and she bailed. So I always had so much respect for Caroline because she just knew we were 22, yeah. 23. And she bailed on a show that was going to be produced by Chris Evans. So, That's a brave move. Um, yeah. So yeah. So it was a shame. My first step out of children's pop. And did you, did you <laughs> panic at that point, or did you I think I kind of ran away. Weirdly, it co- coincided with my husband getting a move to a team in Sweden. Right. My husband Jonathan. Uh huh. So I was like, yeah, let's just go to Sweden. Mm-hmm. I think I was pretty bruised. I was pretty battered yeah. by that and yeah. let down. So I sort of took about. Four years out of the industry after that, yeah, long time. Had a baby as well, yeah. got married, so uh-huh. I was doing stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that uh, whole experience was just such a letdown that I, I took a big break. And did you see at that point, did you plan to go back or were you just see what happened? I was done for a while. I was, you know, playing, playing housewife yeah. wag for a while, <laughs> trying to <laughs> learn how to be a good wife for a couple of years. Um so it was a self-imposed break in a way, but yeah. it was also a good time for me to to sort of have a bit of family uh-huh. time as well. What swung it for you to go back after four years? Um, had junior, um, and then just got hungry. I just wanted to work yeah. again. I always earned my own money. I always mm-hmm. had my own independence. Yeah. Like sitting at home all day. Yeah. Um, and just thought I'm older, wiser, getting married, having a kid it makes you a totally different person. So mm-hmm. I had stuff to say yeah. as well. And I'm older in age. I'm like 28 by this point. And Jonathan got moved to Hibs. So we're coming back to Scotland. And I thought, let's um, let's try and find something else. And ended up doing the weather at STV. So again, a total Wait, different. I <laughs> well, I, I would have done anything to get yeah. back into telly, and I sort of went to STV, going, "I'd love to do a live show. I'd love to do stuff for you." And they went, "Well, we don't really have anything, but Sean Batty's going on holiday for a couple of weeks. If mm-hmm. you want to cover him," and I stupidly said yes. Sold. <laughs> How did you find it? Difficult, hardest yeah. thing I've ever done. Not right for me at all. Too disciplined, too serious. Needs a lot of meteorological knowledge, which yeah. I never had, and I sort of jumped in very unprepared. So again, it, I mean, is this the failures podcast? <laughs> um, that my, a big failure for me, and the lesson there was to learn to speak up because 
Um, I should have just said I haven't had enough training and I'm yeah. not, I should have done a Caroline Flack. <laughs> yeah, just... I should have said this doesn't feel right. I haven't had enough training and I'm going to go out there and make a fool of myself. But I didn't. So I'd go out and do the broadcast and they weren't very good at all. Is it that fear though of, as you said with, with Caroline, if you walk away from something and you'd been away for four years, mm. you then get that fear of I might not get something That's what kept me going back and torturing myself because yeah. every broadcast was torture. Um, well, what else am I going to get? Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a, a bad time, and then things were sort of quiet, and then I um jump forward a wee bit, but yeah, there was a, a probably more than four years of quiet time for me, and then the Commonwealth Games came to Glasgow, mm -hmm. and this is a story for anybody. I hope will inspire anybody. I went and hired my own crew and paid a soundie and a cameraman and said like there's stuff going on in scotland there's mm -hmm. you know in glasgow yeah. so let's go and cover it and get some footage i mean i was just making up scripts and like box popping people and and <clears throat> um queen street that square there yeah. george square and um, went and filmed a bit of the village being built because that mm -hmm. was all quite exciting yeah. so i had a bit of footage right there and i sent that to the one show right okay and then i got reported job on the one show so yeah weird that's so random yeah random but i think for people that come to me for advice and i would say go and do it i tell yeah. them that story you know there would be events on in glasgow and again that we crew became pals in america like, there's a belt launch tonight or a jewelry mm -hmm. launch let's go and interview some people yeah. and make it look like i'm covering an event yeah so talk you know blagging it really yeah. um but that footage sort of helped me become current because everything mm -hmm. else on my showreel and my CV was so old, getting old by that yeah, point. And yeah. that's the other thing in this industry. You always have to keep reinventing yourself. So I just wanted to forget about the weather. The kids stuff was sort of in my past. So I needed new stuff yeah. to sell myself. And I got that from going out and shooting stuff with my own crew. So brave as well. Because a lot of people maybe went, no, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. do that. No, I'm quite a determined person. I wanted to get back into telly and I knew nobody was going to hand yeah. it to me. And that's another thing that I always say to people. No one is going to come and hand you a job. So um, I'm really glad I did that and went out and shot some footage, which anybody can do yeah. now. And it took you to the one show? Took me to the one show, yeah. And that, that, that's the way the industry is. People see me on the one show. I then got Animal Park. Uh, and Animal Park sort of led to loads of other little things. And then the next big thing for me was A Place in the Sun. And that's the thing, I, I can't tell you how many people message me and went, oh, I've got a bit of place in the sun, I watch that all the time. Everybody, like even family members, I'm like, oh, I've got a bit of place for that. Yeah. That just seems to be your kind of, you're the girl that's known, that it's such a link Good. in between. <laughs> um, did you get to a point, maybe before that, or, or maybe when you got to a place in the sun, where you felt that you were, comfortable in the industry and you you became mm -hmm. established or does that ever come when you're kind of trying to get do different jobs and now i feel i'm established yeah. in the industry now i have people offering me jobs and i don't have to screen test yeah. for them anymore and but that's taken till like now yeah, yeah. Uh, i got my first job in 1998 that mm -hmm. was that first job for bbc scotland so yeah. that's how long it's taken me to get to this point it's got over 20 years uh, but then i suppose in a way it's good in the sense because a lot of people now look at something and want an instant yeah, return or an yeah. instant success on it, but it doesn't always work. It doesn't always like work. That. If I was 20, I'd go into Love Island because yeah. 
you will get that platform and profile right away and the mm -hmm. smart people can make millions and do yeah. a lot with it. So I'm not against that. Mm -hmm. It's just I've just done it the hard way. <laughs> yeah. But then I suppose there's more kind of life lessons in that path, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, definitely. And as I say, I can sit and be very confident in what I'm doing. I think sometimes people that get it too fast maybe aren't and maybe I haven't yeah. had the training and they get put in those uncomfortable positions. But um, no, I'm glad to be sort of known from a place in the sun. It's I've really made worked hard to make my episodes my own. I think mm -hmm. again, it's the Scottishness of me that makes my episodes different yeah. from the other presenters. I really get on with the house hunters. Yeah. I love to have banter with them and really spend time with them off camera as mm -hmm. well, which is the key for me. Um, so I, I hope I've made that role my own, and it's great now that people sort of see me as Jean from a place in the sun. I'm yeah. happy with that. So many people message me to say, ask her if it's actually real when the people are buying the properties. And I'm like, I don't think it's a wind up that you're going to travel no. all that way and then be like, no. No, of course it's real. I mean, I'm I'm in touch with people. Like when I'm filming in Spain, I'll be, I'm filming, can I come and see you? And it's people yeah. that have been on the show and bought a property. <laughs> that Do you get quite competitive them? but try to find them? No, because... I always think it's like it's real money. It's not monopoly yeah. money. It's not a it's not a game show. Yeah. It's it's a TV show, but it's I would I don't pressure people or get competitive in that way because mm -hmm. even if people don't buy at the end, which I know all yeah. the viewers hate, yeah. as long as we've shown them, got them further in mm -hmm. their search, that's what's important to me. So yeah. even if it's like we thought we wanted Benadon, but actually we want Malaga, or mm -hmm. that helps. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when you're house hunting, it's such a hard process yeah. so if we've taken out the hard work and got you to any position where you're even close to buying mm -hmm. then my job is done really yeah. and and have fun as well on the week i like to it takes a week to film an episode even though we've got the same clothes right. we just wear the same yeah. clothes every day big secret <laughs> revealed um i like to be out in the evenings with the house hunters uh -huh. and have dinner and have that because that's when you really get to know yeah. each other and then at the end there's often tears at the end because mm -hmm. they're sad the experience is over it's not every day you get to go on a tv show and there's a crew no. and you're picked up and nice hotels and treated really really well so yeah. i always hope the house hunters leave um feeling they've had an amazing week whether mm -hmm. they bought or not you well it's a journey isn't it it's like a, yeah. a side marriage is probably the most stressful a period of, yeah. of trying to buy a house yeah. and look for a house and if you're getting that kind of taken out of it and you've just got that week to go and see these amazing places <laughs> that's the dream yeah it is and and when they buy a place at the end it's the, it's just yeah. amazing and if, when i go back and see couples that have been on the show and see them actually living mm -hmm. in that property that i showed them you yeah. know all those years ago or whenever it was it's a real buzz that's yeah that's a real that's a real feel good thing about the show Tempt you to go into property in any sort of well no not going into property but i will be doing another property show for right. channel four which is great okay. um so again that's good i think i've placed myself and because i've moved so much with jonathan mm -hmm. as well i've bought and sold properties in europe yeah. and here uh -huh. so um yeah i think it's a sort of area that i'm comfortable in within mm -hmm. tv as well mm -hmm. I've got, we've got um, holiday homes, but mostly the Scandinavia, yeah. where Jonathan's yeah. from. Um, but I've always keeping an eye out for getting a wee place somewhere yeah. sunny for a change, you know? Yeah. You could be the guest on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go with any of the presenters, no. <laughs> but I'm always keeping an eye out when we're in properties. Nice. Nice. Um, a big thing that we kind of try to focus on, on this podcast is also there's, People who do a lot of successful things, but we always look at not your maybe not your lowest point as such, but the hardest point in your career that you've found mm -hmm. so far and what 
you kind of took from it. So is there anything that kind of springs to mind for you that was a real, real low point and something you had to kind of pick yourself back up and, and keep going from? Yeah, well, the quiet times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Having four or five years with no work. Yeah, coming in. Is, uh, is tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I was lucky. I was in a good financial position just mm-hmm. purely because of my husband. Um, but I couldn't... How do you cope with not working for yeah. five years? You know, yeah. whatever uh, walk of life you're in, that was mentally very, very hard for me. And you lose your confidence and you mm-hmm. question yourself and you you know, start having all kinds of problems, like asleep, you know, yeah. you're putting on weight or you're losing weight, you know, you're losing touch with people in the industry, you can't even watch a TV show because you're so sort of jealous or yeah. anxious or wishing it was you not really, you know, it's yeah. that, you, you, your mind starts going, so mm-hmm. that definitely happened to me, mm-hmm. Um, started to eat, eat away at me, maybe become not such a nice person just because you're not achieving the things that yeah. you want to achieve, but I mean, I climbed out of that mm-hmm. quickly enough, I think. Did you notice from when you left that industry and then you had your kind of four or five years out, was there any big changes you noticed when you went back into it? Reality. Yeah. Reality had Mm -hmm. just blown up. Everybody was a reality star. Every presenter was either a reality star or an expert. That became the new working industry. You know, we we love Eugene, but you're not an expert on anything. We, You know, you'd be great, but we really need an expert. And it's like... I just hate that word because a yeah. lot of the time the people aren't experts, yeah. they're just who they want for the job. And it's, you know, different if you're doing a ho- ho- horticulture or cars or yeah. you should be an expert or have some expertise in that field. But mm-hmm. I'm not an expert on property, but I've bought and sold properties abroad. If you ask me if I was an expert on it, I wouldn't say because expert is so yeah, uh, niche, isn't word. it? It's a big yeah. word. So it'd be like, oh, we'd like to, you know, we'd like you to do fashion, but you have to be an expert. It's like I've been buying clothes my whole life. <laughs> so that wound me up. Yeah. And then just this explosion of social media where a hundred thousand followers can get you a TV show. So yeah. I had all that to battle against as well, which is another reason I went back and got my my postgraduate diploma in broadcast journalism because mm-hmm. I thought I need another string to my bone. I'm really glad that I did that. And did you feel after that that you had you kind of tick that box and you'd enhance your knowledge to then be in that position of what well, I, I can bet, do that. Yeah, I think people took me a bit more seriously mm-hmm. because I because I took a year out of my life to go and do it. It was yeah. five days a week at uni again as a mature student. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I think that that definitely helped me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you find it harder at that point going back as a mature student? Easier. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Right. No distractions. It's like yeah. when you go back as a mature student, you want to learn. Yeah. And we were doing live radio shows every day, which was a hands-on course. You know, writing, right. writing as if we're writing for newspapers. Mm-hmm. And so, um, our class of twelve was like working like a newsroom. Right. And that that's the environment I should have been in when I was eighteen years yeah. old. You know what I mean? That was always the dream for me. So I had the maturity going back at twenty, uh-huh. and I had a lot of contacts. You know, we'd be doing um stories and it'd be like, I know him. I mm-hmm. I, I know her, her, him from the party scene or he's my local MP or yeah. he's a Rangers fan. I've got his number or, uh-huh. you know what I mean? So it was really easy to set yeah. up interviews. And I think actually my black book of contacts became, <laughs> became, and I, it, same with my documentary just mm-hmm. there. Um, We could talk to anybody we wanted. And if, yeah. you know, that their office wasn't answering our office, I was mm-hmm. able to go, well, I know him. So yeah. I just phone him or DM him and... Mm-hmm. That's nice. That that's nice to be at this point as well. When I know a lot of people and yeah. I've got friends, I've got people that will do me favors because I've probably done a favor for them. So yeah, yeah that, and that's all part of journalism as well. I think is your contacts, yeah. who you know, and how you speak to people, and yeah. 
how people will respond to you. So that's something that I took from my uni life that I use now and when I need contacts or need, you know, want to talk to people. Yeah, and I suppose it is obviously from when you started, it's just constantly networking because you don't know when you'll bump into someone or when you'll be working with someone. But I still so got that thing that I'm not a fan of networking. I've got to like people right, <laughs> to okay. have a relationship yeah. with them. You know what I mean? I hate kissing arses. <laughs> I really, really hate it. And I've never been able to do it. So yeah. if I like you, I like you. There's often times where everybody will go, love them, love them. I'll be like, like them. They're not for me. No, in a nasty way. Yeah, just, just like, I won't, I won't follow the yeah. crowd. I uh-huh. don't like that. I just, you've got to, everybody's got to love this person yeah. just because everybody loves them. It's like, mm-hmm. I never really understood that. So I kind of, um, I don't want to say bang to the beat my own drum because it's such a cheesy <laughs> saying, but I've always been a bit rebellious in yeah. that way. I think I don't like networking. I like I like who I like. Yeah. I'm definitely that type of person. You know, my people are my people. And Have your it. circle. 100%. I've yeah. always been like that. Yeah. yeah. How do you, how do people find out when you're kind of honest to that point? Because a lot of people well, probably. Don't say it to people's faces. I'm not no, horrible. You can tell, I think when you're in an environment, you can tell that if you don't like someone yeah. and you're chatting to them, everybody's yeah. fawning over someone and you're like, no, I'm not buying this. I, t- I think it doesn't work like that for me. Like if we're out in an event in Glasgow, I'll mm-hmm. be in the corner with my folk and I won't leave that corner. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. it. You know what I mean? Where I still haven't learned that lesson where actually I should be talking to them or I should, yeah. you know what I mean? If we're at Scottish BAFTAs or something, mm-hmm. that is a great opportunity for me to go around the room yeah. and be commissioned. But I'll always just be pissed. <laughs> in the corner with those sort of weird people Your do you know people. what i mean yeah that's usually where i am in the whole that's network. not a bad night out to be fair <laughs> it's just what always happens <laughs> and then I, I do the next morning usually wake up and think should have really went and spoke to that commissioner or the head of that <laughs> channel but it's probably better that i didn't because i'll have had a few bottles of wine at the table anyway so i always think networking is a weird thing yeah well, most of the wine involved, it's, it's exactly, probably not going to yeah, end it's well. it's dangerous, yeah. 100%. Um, you've done your documentary. Yeah. That was on last Thursday? Uh, it was a Monday night. Monday, Monday night, night. Yep. Um, Big difference from what you've been doing. Mm. What prompted you? Because I, I remember reading that you had a chance to do something like it before and you didn't want to yeah at that point what had changed yeah. for you what made you want to do it this time um i think trust in the industry mm-hmm. as well there's nothing worse than thinking as uh, an idea has been greenlit because yeah. for the tick boxes are for the wrong reasons yeah. so in the past i've sort of not gone for things Um, this came up and i didn't like the title and i didn't like the idea and mm-hmm. i told the production company i wasn't keen on it and they came back and went well help us rewrite it then yeah. and that's just amazing for yeah. them to do that showed me they were mm-hmm. serious about it so we just just a few lines and a few ideas that weren't working mm-hmm. we wrote, rewrote them together and then came up with a documentary that i thought yeah i could front this because i'm interested in it you know yeah. the, the main start was that these race hate crimes have gone up in mm-hmm. scotland they're on the rise and immediately a journalistic mind was like why we need to unpack yeah. this yeah. statistic mm-hmm. and i think that's what we tried to do in the half hour so that that really really appealed to me how did you find the actual experience because some of the stories you don't expect in 2022 no. and it's it's so hard hitting 
for the viewer watching it, but you're there interviewing. Yeah, that how was did tough. how did you find it? Really tough because I was angry about yeah. it, and mortified and embarrassed and yeah. cringing, mm-hmm. and that's probably not what your normal disclosure presenter. You know, yeah. a lot of the time yeah. they're not supposed to react; they're not allowed yeah. to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Where I just couldn't hide it; it was just too personal to me to yeah. hear shopkeepers saying you know they're getting abuse daily or they they can't stand at the front of the shop because they that's the bit i found really so much that spoke to a lot of people yeah a lot of people and i think it was the way see the way he was describing it it was as if it was just one of those things and you're like so matter of fact yeah yeah it's i don't know just when i've watched it i'm like that's really bad that he finds that the thing that you just yeah. need to do. Especially, and I said it on the documentary, because we've always had Asian yeah. shopkeepers in our community. Yeah. And they've, in my mind, they've always been a part of the community. Yeah. A, a respected part of the community, because that's 100%. who you get your stuff yeah. from at the end of the day. And you know you what never, I mean? I mean, it stuns me that you would get people that would walk into a shop and look and see who's serving at the, what difference would that make to anything well it does make a difference to people because we heard it from anand yeah, yeah. so it was tough to sit there and just go what a state we're in yeah. when a wee girl's getting called the n-word in the gym class and nobody's putting a stop to yeah. it not the pupils not the teachers not the parents yeah. so um i think it was a big wake-up call for yeah. a lot of people it certainly was for me and it was hard to sit there and Cause you can't help them you know yeah. my instinct would be i want to help you i want to make yeah. it better for you or mm-hmm. i want to see the justice or see these people being punished and of course you couldn't do any of that no. so you just sit as a sort of a helpless bystander in a yeah. way but we got the stories out there mm-hmm. and that was uh, gratifying and i was really glad that i did yeah. it because i'd passed on it at first yeah um so i had to face my own fears and mm-hmm. talk about myself and my own past which yeah. i haven't really done in terms of race yeah because i never really have to mm-hmm. so i'd sort of went to a place i'd never been before um on camera and it was a uh, quite quite therapeutic in yeah. the end i think i've done it now i don't feel i need to revisit it i don't want to become a poster girl or uh, yeah. connected to those types of shows because they yeah. take so much of you mm-hmm. but i'm glad that i did it and as a um is that a heavy experience for you because obviously you're you're filming a documentary about something that's really hard mm-hmm. hit and it really hits home obviously when you're we're talking about your own examples as yeah. well it, that must yeah. have jarred your own memories yeah. when, oh, when you're does. speaking to people and as much <laughs> as you've got all that you're then trying to keep your presenter head on yeah and keep everything professional but how much does that take out of you when you're trying to do well, that? Do you know, I didn't try and keep my presenter head on. I yeah. totally left that. I killed yeah. the presenter because it was so honest and, mm-hmm. you know, weren't allowed to use any bad language. But yeah. someone came into McDonald's and called me a black bastard and yeah. spat in my face. You know what I mean? There's there's no getting away from no. that. It happened. And you were you 15, and then 16? 17. Yeah. And people were going, well, did you report it? And I, I was like, no, you yeah. just who too like yeah. i don't know hate crime wasn't a, a saying then yeah. you know yeah. it, the thought never crossed my mind mm-hmm. so then i was going back to my 17 year old self and thinking that's a shame like mm-hmm. nobody nobody helped you nobody put your so you have to go back and revisit yeah. things that you've actually yeah. i've just you just put it away and so yeah i had to revisit some mm-hmm. things that were uncomfortable but that i think that's what makes a good documentary so yeah. that's what makes people connect to you when they watch them it's mm-hmm. like happened to her as well and i've never thought for some reason people were going even friends never thought that kind of thing happened to eugene it's like oh, why wouldn't yeah. it <laughs> yeah that's it it's, you know it's frightening it is frightening um has it 
whetted your appetite to do more documentary no. type? No? no. Put you no. off? I like <laughs> a script. Uh-huh. I like a format. I like to be upbeat. Yeah. You know, that's who I am. Yeah. That's my default position uh-huh. as a person. Um, And I don't know. It'd have to be the right subject. Mm-hmm. Documentary world is completely different discipline. Yeah. Um, as I say, I liked having input and I do have a journalistic mind. I'd never say never, but I need a break now. That was a heavy load yeah. that, you know, I yeah. had to get rid of. Um, and, and I've got so much else I'm going to be working on. I'm mm-hmm. really busy now until the end of the year, which mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for. So maybe next year, I don't know, we'll look yeah. at a documentary format. I, I, I like Stacey Dooley, um, but she gives so much of herself. I know yeah. that now, so hats yeah. off to her because I think... Um, not I'm not I don't have a persona as a presenter, but it is something that I can stand behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the script in someone else's words sometimes yeah. is a good good thing to stand behind. So Definitely. how has the reaction been <clears throat> to the documentary? Really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like just really honest. Yeah, that's what's nice. Just people going, I'm mortified. Yeah, you know that classic yeah. Scottish. Like, I am cringing. Mm-hmm that people go out and do that and i yeah. love that because yeah. it's not you know not it, it doesn't need to be big explorations no. and everybody unpacking you know mm-hmm. every it's just like oh i'm ill i'm sick yeah that was rotten mm-hmm. that's it that's a completely normal yeah. reaction yeah. and especially the 16 year old in the documentary you know yeah. people just and people were angry and i just think it'll make people think twice mm-hmm. because it's a really hard thing you're sat in a group of friends someone tells a joke yeah bigoted sectarian racist it's really hard to be the one person that goes hey cut it yeah i don't expect people to do that especially with your own friendship group yeah because it will start all sorts of you know what i mean problems Mm -hmm. but i hope my documentary has made people realize it's more than a joke because if you're saying that at home your kids might be doing it in the playground Mm -hmm. or you know you're joking like this that person in your workplace might have heard it and they're you know and from an ethnic minority so it's it really is everybody being a good ally and I hope yeah. that's what people realise and, you know, just going to your your kids as a parent, just going, everything all right in school? Are they all right? Everything good? Mm-hmm. Nobody's getting bullied? Whether your kid's involved or not, you yeah. know, for Tola that was getting racist abuse, where were the parents? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? To the point she had to leave school. So it's just everybody being a bit aware, yes, we're all, you know, Scotland, as I said in the documentary, we're mm-hmm. tolerant. Uh, open diverse but just keep your eyes open in your workplace yeah at the football in the classrooms and just because if you're mortified you're sickened by it Mm. make sure you're not doing it yourself yeah you know what i mean i had a lot of people on my saying they were horrified by my documentary but then i'm looking at their posts and going ah but what you do on a saturday afternoon is the same thing so just be careful and that's probably the (laughs) the glasgow thing because there's such a fine line across religion uh-huh. football there's uh-huh. just a kind of a tipping point that's there all yeah. the time and it, yeah. as you say people just need to be aware yeah of how their actions so i hope that's out. what what the documentary's done is yeah. just made people a bit more aware i hope so i really hope so after watching it um on your own career who or who is your inspirations who can i who um, do you look to sometimes when you're kind of wanting a bit of a, a pick-me-up or wee bit of inspiration well oprah's my huge inspiration yeah Yeah, oh definitely i love oprah that's my one person i would just to sit across from her like this is the ultimate ultimate dream what would you ask her 
Oh my God. <laughs> All the questions you've asked me, you know, she's just so inspirational. And I do hear wee things that she says that I sort of keep them in my head at times. Mm-hmm. I'd love, I absolutely love her. Um, but I, I really love that old school team of presenters like Dermot and, and Davina McCall and mm-hmm. June Sarpong and Richard Blackwood. They really inspired me to become a yeah. presenter. So I really like, I strive to have that easiness that they've got, that Dermot's yeah. got and Davina's got, where you feel like they're just talking directly to you. Yeah. Um, so they're sort of my inspirations as presenters. But um, life inspiration, if that's mm-hmm. what you're asking. Yeah, yeah love, love a bit of Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> she's um she certainly led the way for yeah. presenters. Oh definitely. When I mean, she's in a league of her own, isn't she? Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Amazing. I don't think I'll compete with those guests. We can both learn from her as yeah. interviewers. Send her a DM. <laughs> get her on. Who's your inspiration as a podcaster? Um do you know what I, I do like Jake's podcast? Yeah, it's because good, yeah. it gets it gets into the psyche of people mm. and how they they operate and he does so many different ones like the one he done with total wolf from oh, mercedes that. Yeah, love total, was um yeah. was incredible because you think he's this kind of overpowering guy and nothing phases him and then you listen to it and you're like wow yeah there's so many things go on behind the scenes like when you were saying about doing the children's tv nobody sees all that other stuff no they just see you on the show they don't see the competitive stuff Mm-hmm. We don't see you need to do this or that or what path you follow. It's just what you see on the TV. Yeah. And I always like to see what's behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, love that one. Just because it delves. Yeah, it goes delves really, really deep. Yeah. And the people that are on it are honest enough mm-hmm. with him as well, which I think you need. Um, and I like my own, to be fair. <laughs> Blow my own trumpet. Um, no, it's great. That's why I'm here. I really like your podcast. I just think in Glasgow... We are so consistent at talking people down. Yeah. When they... So true. You, you can get people and they'll say that they've got no ambition and then they go and do something. They tell them they've forgotten themselves, they've forgotten who you are, you think mm-hmm. you're better. Mm-hmm. Where, just be proud of somebody. If somebody's yeah. willing to put their head above and go and do something, applaud it, call I it out. I completely it's, agree, yeah. Um, so that's the point of this. I just think there's so many people doing brilliant things. And there's so many people doing negative things, but that's all you read about. Mm-hmm. You don't see the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And like so many people working hard, trying to change themselves, trying to better themselves. And that's what we should be showcasing as a city, as a country. It's And do you see like, a, sorry, I've turned into the interview, but I'm just interested because <laughs> I do like your podcast. Do you see a sort of similar trait in everybody that comes on here? Is there anything that links everybody or that you've noticed themes that keep coming up? I think in... From a kind of Glasgow perspective, I think most people I've spoke to have got that kind of burning desire in them to prove people wrong. Mm-hmm. And they've maybe been kind of kicked when they've been at school or they've failed exams yeah, or they've had yeah. people drumming into them. You're not going to do that. You're not going to be able to do that. You're not good enough to do that. And it's that kind of, in their own head, they're like, look, I'll show you. Yeah. I'll, I'll prove my point here. And you probably get that in other parts of the world and other parts of the country, but that's the thing that I find with everybody. There's a grit. There's a grit there, and there's a kind of it's that kind of fighting spirit. Like, well, I'll show you then. Mm-hmm. I'll go away and I'll come back and I'll haunt you for saying <laughs> those words. And it's just what you were saying as well when you went to that open audition. You just go and take the chance. Mm-hmm. Whereas Definitely. people always saying, "Yo, why are you bother with that? Mm-hmm. You're not going to get picked." How do you know that? Yeah, it's it's just one of the. I just like 
how people turn these negatives round because if you've got teachers telling you you can't do this, it'd be easy for someone to crumble okay. and go, do you know what? Just believe it. Right, yeah. okay, yeah. I'll just spend my life doing, I'll pick a job and stay there for mm-hmm. 40 years. Whereas a lot of the guests that have been on, I'm like, oh no, I'm, I'm going to go and do that. That's what I want to do. You tell me what I need to do and I'll go and do it. Mm-hmm. And I'll do it whether you approve it or you don't. Yeah. Um, I just think we need to shout louder. Yeah, I we really do need to shout louder. Yeah. Um, there's so many good people here and there's so many people doing brilliant things, whether it's a big, high-paying job or just somebody that's doing something that they love. Mm-hmm. It's it's brilliant to, to hear. Um, and it makes my week. I speak to a guest that genuinely makes my week. Because you're yeah. away thinking about something, a different journey mm-hmm. and how somebody's done something. And you see people around and... You see, like, people see you and just go, oh, she presents her place in the sun. But nobody sees how you've got to that position mm-hmm. and yeah. how you've managed to kind of get through that. You've had four or five years of worrying about, am I going to get back into that? How's it going to work? Taking jobs that you don't really want. But then you get <laughs> to that final point and that's where people see it and go, oh, she's done really well. Yeah, but she's fucking grafted oh, to get to that point. A hundred percent, yeah, hustled. And it, yeah, and it takes away <laughs> that whole thing of, there's just such an expectation now of if I do something, I want to be rich in a year. Mm-hmm. Or if I start something, why am I not a millionaire? I'm like, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, it's... no. So many people message me and be like, oh, I've done two episodes and I don't have 10,000 viewers. And you're like, hey, I'm not going to. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think Joe Rogan worked out after four episodes that he was going to be a multi millionaire. I'm mm-hmm. sure he was something like. 100, 120 episodes before right. anybody even picked up. Yeah, you got to keep on what it. he was really doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a wee different one there. Um, but no, I just like to see people do well. But I like to know how they've they've mm-hmm. reached that that yeah, point in their too. lives. Me too. That's what I like to know. But I don't want to know the good stuff. I want to know all the everything behind it—the good, yeah, the bad, the ugly. Exactly. How you got to that position? Um, and people are always good enough to kind of share how they've got there. And I think when like listeners send feedback after it, they take something from it as well because they may be sitting in a similar position. There's a lot of young kids listening at 15, 16 mm-hmm. who could be at school thinking, going, well, I've been told I can't do that yeah. for a job or I can't go and be a presenter or mm-hmm. do journalism. So it's good to see people in that industry come on and say, well, that isn't an A to B path. There's so yeah. many different so routes that you can take. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's... That's little old me. <laughs> um, you're the first person that's asked me that. That's totally threw me off there. Have you got a presenter here? Yeah. <laughs> got a presenter and an interviewer. Couldn't help it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. So I always ask people when they come on if they know anybody in Glasgow that is doing brilliant things, be it in a career or just something they're doing that they love that would come on and share oh, God. their story. Have you spoke to Laura from Glasgow Girls Club? Yes. Oh, you've already yes, had, her had her on. Her in. Right, okay. I've had her what in. about Victoria Halliday? No. Yes, you no. must get Victoria in. So Victoria's just set up her own PR consultancy. Right. Um and she's got some good showbiz stories. Okay. She's just gone out on her own after right. working for a big company for many years. Okay. So um she's in that kind of vulnerable spot where it could go either way for her. Yeah. So yeah, she's a good person. You should talk to her and funny and open. And honest and is constantly working on herself and is a good friend of mine and somebody that I will phone to ask advice mm-hmm. and 
you know, and, and help me out. She's yeah. a she's a connector of people, I right. think Victoria is. Um so yeah. I will get on that. Yes. Brilliant. Right, I've got listener questions. Oh, here we go. So I've not told you about these <laughs> ones because they always just it doesn't matter who comes on, <laughs> there is always questions that are filed over. Right. Um <laughs> I've eliminated most of the ridiculous ones that have come in. Um, I don't mind ridiculous. There was two marriage proposals. Oh, in there. yay! Two marriage proposals. Still got it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Go home and tell Jonathan, by the way. <laughs> Keep the standards high. Um, Favourite destinations for filming? St. Lucia. Yeah. Yeah, I got to go last year and it was just phenomenal. Loved it. Just, oh. Food, people, beaches, island life, gorgeous. If you ever get the chance to go, it's paradise. If you picture a paradise island in your head, mm -hmm. it's St. Lucia. Nice. Anywhere that you haven't went? Not really cold places I'm not that into. <laughs> um, no, I love to travel. Mm -hmm. As soon as I get on a place, I'll be happy where yeah. I land at the other end. I'm that type of person. Yeah. Do you get nervous? No, anymore. No? No. When did that kind of change for you? Turned 40 last year, and I mm -hmm. think there's a sort of newfound confidence that comes with that. I was yeah. interviewed Sir Keir Stammer, um, mm -hmm. and I was kind of up the night before worrying about it mm -hmm. just because he's, you know, the leader yeah. of the opposition. Yeah. Quite serious. Um, and then I got there, didn't drink, deliberately didn't drink, got to the event and sat down like this with him. Mm -hmm. Just went, what would I be nervous about? Yeah. You know what I mean? I know what my questions yeah. are. I know what I want to know. I'm interested in him mm -hmm. anyway. I'd mm -hmm. done research. I'd listened to podcasts and read about him. So I didn't let uh, the nerves creep in. So that that shows me I've turned a corner because, yeah. I, again, I said no to that at first. <laughs> what changed um, your mind? I'm a fan of his. Yeah. I, you know, support the Labour Party. I don't think that's a secret. Yeah. Um. So actually, I, especially today and especially now, Please God, we get a change in government. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, but yeah, he is a sort of a beacon of hope for me at the yeah. moment. How right, whatever people will. Uh, open, mm -hmm. honest, politician-ish. Yeah. One question I asked him, he didn't really answer. Um, but a good guy, mm -hmm. I think, a normal and really good at talking to people in the yeah. room in a really nice way. Um, so yeah, I was I wasn't let down because you know there's so many people over the years that I've really really wanted to meet, and then you meet them and you know they yeah. you, they're not what you expected them yeah. to be. He was actually exactly what I expect to be a gentleman, mm -hmm. um, which was nice. Have you ever been starstruck when you've met someone and you've went to interview somebody and just folded? Yeah, totally. It happens all the time. I get starstruck over weird people as well. <laughs> Give us one. Um. Oh God. Well, I'm a massive James McAvoy fan. I had. Uh -huh. a, total girl crush on him um and you know when you're not expecting it, it was the scottish baftas and um his sister joy who's an amazing girl she's sort of and this is my brother james so you're expecting the brother james yeah. not james mcavoy so i was like oh just i'm really uncool in those situations and then i asked him for a photo and he said no oh man <gasps> Did he say anything else or did you say he no? He just went, do you know what? No. Oh. It's just, and I was like, oh, please, ground open now. Die, die, die. Oh, man. Awful. 
the most awful moment ever. Cause, and you know what? It was a lesson learned. Don't ask people for photos. I never ask people for photos. I've been positioned with my husband. Famous friends of mine being asked for photos and it's always like, oh, just let us enjoy a night. Yeah. So I don't know why I did it. So I deserved it. I shouldn't have been asking them for a photo. I don't know why I asked them for a photo. Oh, they died. I died. I've still, I'm dying now <laughs> even thinking about it. It's so <laughs> awful. So yeah, that's, don't be starstruck by people. Don't ask for photos. Well, of course you should. I should not have asked them for that photo. Maybe just yeah. whisper it. It's just an awful, an awful moment. My friend Gary Lamont will watch this and he'll be howling because he was stood next to me and he was <laughs> living for every second of my complete embarrassment and distress. Did you have a wee awkward silence after it or was it just... I was just like, oh no, totally get it. No problem. <laughs> oh, so bad. <laughs> oh, man. Um, someone had asked, obviously you were on Animal Park. Mm-hmm. Any random moments with the... Oh, God. So many, you know, animals are unpredictable. Yeah. You, I like kids, you can't rehearse them and you can't, you know, you can't make them do yeah. anything and we would never try and do that anyway. So it's like, I'm just getting shot on constantly, <laughs> pissed on, trying trying to have sex with your legs, anything <laughs> biting you, it, all of it, all of it happens. Anything gave you the absolute fear, any animals that you were just All like, the time you're yeah. scared of them. You know, they put me in a meat truck once with... Um, so the lions will chase this meat truck because obviously you throw the feed out oh, the back right, and that. Okay. My mind just for one second just went, what if the door just, what if it just opened? Because these things happen yeah, in life, you yeah. know, just what if that door just opens? Like they would have just all jumped in and just like tore me from limb to limb. And could so, you see them outside or just hear them? I could see them. They're oh, following the truck no. at 35 miles an hour, <laughs> like the fastest they can run. So yeah, the, yeah, there's been some, some um, awkward... <laughs> positions i've been put in with those animals <laughs> um what's your pet hates snobbery despise yeah. snobs yeah. especially working class snobs they're the yeah. worst despise people that look down on other people yeah really hate that um other pet peeves i don't know you More... hear the snobbery one a lot in the, in the industry that you're in do you see it a lot you see it everywhere, don't yeah. you? Snobbery, yeah. Just, I just don't like that. I've yeah. never liked it. I'm really averse to it if mm -hmm. I hear it or see it. Um, so yeah, that's that's pet peeve of mine. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree with that. Um, advice you would give to a sixteen year old Jean based on what you know oh, now? Oh, they kiss more arses. <laughs> <laughs> don't get in a line truck. Not literally. <laughs> And don't get in a meat truck with a pride of lions chasing you. And what I mean by that is just play the game a bit yeah. more. It, but do you know what? It might have been ego. I don't know what it was, but there's just something stopping me from going doing mm -hmm. that work that is necessary at the end of the day. You have to go to the parties. You have to suck up to yeah. certain people. You have to do it. Mm -hmm. I think if I'd done a bit more of that, things would have went a bit more smooth, yeah. smoother for me. It's hard though because it is uncomfortable if it's not something that you're naturally. It's part of the job. Into. I should have yeah. been professional yeah. and seen it as part of the job. Mm -hmm. And um, if pe when people ask me that question, like, what would you do differently? I'm not scared to admit I would have networked more, yeah. would have made more of the fake pals, yeah. would have went to the right party instead of being the gay clubs in Soho yeah. at five in the morning. And nobody was going to hire me there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't regret going there because that, you know, but 
you know what I mean? Just yeah. being in the right private members club and uh-huh. smoozing with the right people. Yeah. I was never good at it. So if I had my time again, I'd probably do a bit more networking. Yeah. Is there any jobs that you regret not taking that you've been offered? No, doesn't work like that. It's the ones no. I didn't get that I yeah. regret. <laughs> I'm not in a position where I'm like, the one show, no. Uh, X Factor, Simon, no. Like, I'm not in that position You could now. You could go and do a Caroline now and just be like, nope, yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. Don't want to. How do you, see when you get job offers in, what's the main factors for you and whether you would accept it or not? If it's suitable for me. But I, I got offered one that was a bit um, like a tree felling competition. Mm-hmm. Like, tree arts and and i just said straight to them i'm not right for this yeah i'm not green fingered Mm -hmm. um i'm not arty in that way and i think a comedian Mm -hmm. or an artist is going to be better at this um and i get asked to be a judge on a kind of gardening competition i get all my gardening coming to me but i also passed on that because i'm not a gardener and the the, the person that sit there that sat there should have that expertise mm-hmm. in a way yeah. if, even if i had a little bit of knowledge of it i'd be happy to do mm-hmm. it but no so i passed on that so that's good having the confidence because i'd have had to do it before just because i yeah. would never pass on yeah. any job no matter mm-hmm. what it was but now i'm in a good position where i can go do you know what i could just picture myself being awkward and the viewer's not buying it yeah. either yeah so yeah so i pass on things that, that i know are not going to be a good fit for me now so i look for things where it's like it's something that I want to do, something mm-hmm. that fits well with me and my personality and yeah. something I'm, su- I'm suitable mm-hmm. for, you know what well, I mean? At least you've not got that fear now of just saying, no, that's, yeah. that's not the job Yeah, no, I'm lucky. That's can Any advice that you would give to anyone who's maybe at school age or at mm. kind of college age and they're looking to maybe get into that industry, be it broadcasting or, yeah. or journalism or presenting yeah. from your kind of experience that you would give? Now, I would say start with social media. Yeah. Get a following, get a presence, mm-hmm. get a brand, yeah. and go for it. You've got no excuses. You can build that yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I would really say start with social media. Or the old-fashioned way, you go to your local newspaper, ask mm-hmm. if they want someone that can make teas, that yeah. can, you know, uh, do stuff around the, the newsroom. If mm-hmm. there, You know, there are very few newsrooms now. Yeah. Um, shutting all the time or you know tv production traineeships mm-hmm. going in at the lowest tier you can and yeah. building your way up they are really good now they're really mm-hmm. channel 4 bbc they've always got traineeships yeah. getting on an apprenticeship type thing do it that way mm-hmm. i really believe in those types of courses I'm, I'm a fan yeah yeah brilliant and my last question which i'd asked you before we went on but Quite a lot of people want to know if Jonathan's <laughs> going to take a Rangers job at some point over the yes, next year or two. Yes, no, Gio's doing a good job now, in my opinion. Some fans might disagree with that. He's an old friend, but um, of course, of course, that's the dream for Jonathan uh, is to one day be the Rangers manager. As, as everybody, anybody yeah. in the right head, that's their dream, isn't it? So yeah. hopefully that opportunity will come for him somewhere down the line. He's definitely working towards it. I'm keeping this clip, see if he gets it. This, right, is, going to be it. The, yeah, this yeah. is going to be the moment that this <laughs> all came out. You first. Um, Gene, it's been brilliant. It's been so Pleasure. good to hear your journey about how you've kind of got to the position you're in just now. And you've been honest enough to talk about the bad points as well and the points that you've took learning from. And, <laughs> and I think James McAvoy. It's the first time brilliant. I've spoken about it. I hope he watches it. <laughs> so he feels really bad for not giving yeah, me that photo. I'll tag him in it just to make sure he feels horrendous. Um, but it's been brilliant. Thank you so much. 
pleasure. I really enjoyed it. And I'm a fan of the podcast. So thanks for having me on. Yes. Superb. <laughs>